Headliner Radio, the creative voice. Hello, and welcome to Headliner Radio, where we are absolutely delighted to be joined by none other than award-winning actor, director, author, and artist David Duchovny, whose new album, Gestureland, is released on August 20th. Uh, David, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you? And and where are you joining us from in the world for this I'm call? In, I, I'm in L.A., and uh, I'm well, thanks, and thanks for having me. Oh, you're very welcome. Um, so how are things where you are at the moment in L.A.? Are things starting to uh, to to open up? Are there traces of normality coming back? Yeah, I mean, L.A.'s doing pretty well. I mean, uh, obviously, there's concern about the Delta variant or the, the new the new strain of uh of COVID that that's out. And so it's all, it's all a fluid situation, but I think, uh, you know, with vaccinations, uh, you know, to me, the vaccination is all about um, not necessarily not catching it, but that you don't die from it, you know? And I think that's the point that people sometimes miss, you know, like, Oh, people are still getting it when they're vaccinated. Yeah, but they're not dying. You know? So, yeah. Um, I hope, I hope people continue to, see the light in that way and and uh and continue to get vaccinated yeah absolutely um now of course we're going to have a chat about the new record but um before we get into the new album i was wondering if you could just talk to us a little bit about what it was that actually inspired you to start making music um a a relatively late point in your career i understand that you haven't been a a lifelong musician this was something that you started in in kind of more recent years so Yeah. yeah what was it that that inspired you to to start songwriting and and playing an instrument, playing guitar. Well, I'd always been a music lover, whatever that means. I mean, I've always I've always had music playing. I've always you know bought records back in the day when that's what you did. I I saved up my monies and you know I there was a record store called Free Being on Eighth Street and Second Avenue where I grew up and. You know, an album was three dollars and ninety nine cents. That was significant to me. But you know, I, I really thought long and hard about if I wanted to shell out the eleven ninety nine for Goodbye Elbert Road. You know, which is a double album yeah. and stuff like that. So these were like, you know, these were decisions uh, for me back in the day. And you know, some music was not only something that I loved, but something that I I was willing to like sacrifice for it. I was willing to like, you know get a job after school to make money so that I could buy albums and like that. So it was always, it's always something that I would spend on in a way. It was important to me. Obviously now with uh, phones and Spotify and all that, it's very different, you know, Mm -hmm. with that kind of relationship to the album. But, um, I think I I was, I also got to the point where I, I was, I I was divorced, divorcing, divorced. I was living alone. I was not, uh, my time was was less accounted for. I didn't. I wasn't spending twenty four seven with my kids. Uh, I had a lot of free time, and I was, was in a vulnerable place. And it just music was always important to me. But then I was just like, I'm going to start playing guitar. You know, I'm going to start playing guitar. Mm. And I didn't know that I was going to write songs. I certainly was never a singer uh, at all. Or the opposite of that. And uh, yeah, I was surprised that I that I wrote songs after a while, after about a year of playing guitar, I was like, started putting chords together, started hearing melodies and less surprised that I could write lyrics, but surprised that, that I could write songs. And yeah. that's just, I went that way. When, when you were, as you said, as a, when, when you were growing up, music was very important and you were 
buying records and stuff did did it ever cross your mind at that point to to try and venture more into music as opposed to taking the acting path or anything yeah. like that yeah well no not as a career because i i took a few guitar lessons when i was 10 and unfortunately i it didn't stick like uh you know i want to blame the teacher you know but i i should probably blame myself but you know a great teacher is such a lucky thing to chance upon in life and whatever whatever skill it is um and for whatever reason i wasn't ready to to dive in um so and as i said you know i wasn't a singer so it was never it was never a question it was never like oh you know am i am i going to make music no it was never something that i thought of what were some of the records that you would have been buying and, and listening to around that kind of time? Well, I mean, Elton John, I was a big, big Elton John fan, you know, and I was, when I had enough money to buy an album or two, uh, like some like 11 or 12 at that point. So, uh, Allman Brothers, Elton John, Sly and the Family Stone, um, Al Green, uh, you know, and then, <laughs> I probably bought. I, at first, I started buying like singles. I don't know if you you probably you're too young, but they would actually release vinyl singles, and they were cheap. And you know, when you're young, you just want the hits. You know, like the idea. I gotta buy the whole album just because I want that one song. Was offensive. You know, I was like, I don't want to spend that money. And that all that other shit is filler. You know, I just want the hits. Like I'd always buy the greatest hits album because it was like, wow, this is like gold. Like every every single one of these songs is worth ninety nine cents, which is what I'd pay for on the little the little vinyl. I still have the little vinyls around, and I'm, I want to put them all up on a, on a wall as like an art installation, just because yeah. they're they're just so beautiful and hopeful in a way. You know, it's a single; it's going to get out there; it's going to change the world. You know? <laughs> Are you still a record collector? Do you still buy? physical records or do you have no, you moved to yeah just the, the the other stuff is just so easy mm. you know just um if i want music it's just so easy to use my phone um but i do miss i miss the vinyl just the way same way i, I have a bunch of books on my on my ipad on kindle which i love at the ease of it but i much prefer you know holding a an actual book in my hand so um I miss, you know, like looking at liner notes, like reading like the liner notes and, and, and you know, reading the lyrics while I'm listening to the song. And, you know, those were all like formative experiences to me, especially when I, when I only had a handful of albums, you know. Mm. And when you were waiting for that new album and then it came out and then you were like, What's, what are those guys been doing for the last two years? You know, what... I remember the White Album just like playing it over and over, and there's some really weird little songs on that. Like they're fooling around; those aren't even real songs. Like, who are these people? What? What? They're they're onto something, uh, you know. And it was all very. You were less. There was a bigger distance between an eleven or twelve year old kid and Elton John. You know, Mm. Uh, I, I didn't have access to social media. I didn't know what he looked like, what he wasn't on stage. You know, I just had this, this, you know, these songs and these lyrics by Bernie Taupin. You know, I didn't even know that it wasn't all Elton John. It was just, it's just a very different consumption of, of music back then. Mm. I guess I'm attached to it. I'm not saying it's better or worse, but that's, that's how I came into it. Does that add to the mystique of the artist? Do you think that, that sense of not knowing too much about who they are, all you have to go on? 
is a record sleeve, perhaps some liner notes with some lyrics and an image on the front cover. And then it's yeah. up to your imagination to figure out who that artist is. Um, now I think, again, not, not to say one thing is better than the other, but with social well, media and things like that, that's you kind it. of know everything yeah. about, about the artist, don't you? I hate it. You know, yeah. I, 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 I don't want to know why you wrote that song. I don't want to know, let's say Mandy by Barry Manilow. Okay. Like, you know, he, he, people make fun of Barry Manilow. It's, it's fine. But Mandy's always a song that's moved me. I mean, to me, it's a beautiful, big, big ass, you know, seventies pop song. Yeah. Apparently he wrote it about his dog, you know, <laughs> and, and you know, you read the lyrics and you get it, you know, it makes sense, but that doesn't help me at all. Like it, like <laughs> now, whenever I listen to it and I love dogs, you know, <laughs> um, so, you know, and I know the original lyrics to Yesterday were scrambled eggs, you know, that mm. Paul was like, he didn't have the lyrics. So, but I wish I didn't know that. I mean, it's cute and it gives you, it gives you an insight into like the haphazard nature of creation. Mm. But now when I hear Yesterday, I do hear scrambled eggs sometimes. So I don't want to know who broke up with who and who's that person supposed to be. And they're responding to this thing and they're responding to that thing. Yeah. I would rather as you said, like there was more space to kind of, I can kind of make up my own story about it or make it in a way. songs are like you give them to people so that they can make them about themselves. It's not like, Hey, here's my story. Mm. Check it out. That's yeah. mine, by the way. Yeah. No, no, get out, get out. No, it's not about you. That's about me. Mm. I'm yeah. like, yeah, it's about you. Yeah. No details. No, no more details. No, it's about you. You, know, yeah. you tell me what's it about. <laughs> it's about you. Well, uh, hopefully you'll be relieved that you know, I'm not going to be asking you what your songs on the new record are about. But um, I you can. I mean, you know, <laughs> as I said, they're 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 okay stories, and sometimes they can make the the, the song richer. I guess it's possible. Like if to know that Julia is written about John's mother. Yeah, I mean, I think maybe that makes that's a great example actually, because it's such a beautiful song, and it's. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and when you, yeah, and then when you know it's about his mom, it becomes like heartbreaking. Yeah, it's very true. So, yeah, and when you first started playing guitar, you said it was about a year after you picked up guitar that you started deciding yeah. to have a go at writing songs. What What was it that not not what was it that inspired you to do that? But when did you start thinking I might actually be onto something here? I'm not just going to start writing songs. I might actually have something. I might I might be good at this. Was there a particular song or a particular breakthrough moment that you had? The first song I wrote, I was like, holy shit. I mean, it's kind of a song. It was just like the fact that it was a song. Like, I could recognize it as a song. I didn't know if it was a great song or a good, or even a good song, but I knew it was a song. Mm -hmm. And it had a melody of sorts. And that surprised me because I was not a melody person. I never, I never heard melodies before I tried to play chords. So then at that point, um, a friend of mine, the, the son of a friend of mine, who's a, tr a tremendous uh, musician, guitar player, singer-songwriter, named Keaton Simons, uh, I said, you know, I was talking to him, or I was talking to his mom, who's an old friend of mine, and she said, oh, you know, you should go record, go go record with Keaton in his garage. You know, he's got a whole setup, and, like, he'll, he'll, play, he'll play guitar, you know, because I'm, like, not a great guitar player. So Keaton was kind enough to go, you know, I went down there and we 
we recorded a few songs in his garage and I thought, okay, well, I have it on my phone. That's cool. I have songs that I did on my phone. They're for me. Just, I did that thing. I did that thing. Okay, it's on my phone. That's cool. Yeah. And that's really how that started. And then, you know, I met people who wanted to do more with it and who pushed me and said, you know, first, okay, this can be a charity album. And they were like, no, what? You know what? It doesn't have to be a charity because charity album is going to be like, okay, don't hit me. I'm doing it for charity. You know? <laughs> don't judge me. Uh, I'm not really putting these songs out. It's for charity. And then it was like, uh, no, you know, you can just put this album out. You don't need to hide, you know? So it was like, it was sequential in a way. It wasn't like, damn, I'm good. I'm going to go record, you know? Yeah. I mean, how did that feel to be putting music out at that point in your career? Because obviously there's a, a weight that comes with releasing music when you're known for another profession. And also even without that releasing your first album when you're not in your late teens or or early (laughs) twenties is like, uh, I I wonder whether that makes it like slightly less nerve wracking or slightly more nerve wracking than, than I guess you wouldn't know if you haven't released music at either one of those ends of the spectrum, but how did it feel to you? Did it feel, were you particularly nervous about putting it out there in the world or did did you, did you not really mind? What's that Bob Seger line? I wish I didn't know now what I didn't know then. You know, yeah. it's like that. Uh, well, I'll say this. For, you know, for having the success that I had as an actor, um, it kind of gave me a safety net in that if people hated it or whatever, I, you know, I, I still had something else that I was going to do and continue to do. And um, it wasn't like either or. Uh, and it wasn't do or die. You know, it wasn't, if you say I can't ever do that again, that's okay, you know, because I did it, and it's like, I'm still amazed that it just exists, this thing in my hand. It's an album that I did. Um, and yet still, you know, any uh, any kind of, I mean, I know that I don't have, like, <laughs> I laugh when I refer to it as my instrument, you know, my voice. It's like, like <laughs> an instrument, right? You know, it's like, you know, like, if I have an instrument, it's not like, it's not like an orchestra, you know, my instrument is part of the orchestra, you know, and, but I, but I do know, you know, I'm not singing like Lady Gaga. I'm not singing like Streisand. I'm not singing like, you know, people who can really fucking belt, but, uh, I know what, I know how to tell a story and I, and I'm writing these songs, so I get to sing them. You know, like if they're good enough, and somebody else wants to sing them and make them better with a beautiful voice, I welcome it. But I get to do it first, and because they're mine, so that's the way I look at it. I, I look at the song as not not a chance to show off whatever vocals I can do, but as a chance to tell a story. And how do, how do those how do those vocals tell that story? So. I guess it's a long way around to saying, yes, it hurts if somebody says, ah, I can't sing or whatever. Yeah, and I read that, and I kind of fucking agree, you know. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I guess, you know. I mean, if singing is that thing where you're hitting a bunch of notes perfectly on this huge range, which you can make an argument that it is, um, yeah, no, I can't sing. But I can get into, I can get in a certain pocket. I can tell a story, I can emote, so I can sing that way. But, you know, when you're first, when you're well-known for something and you're coming out with not like this fucking belty voice, mm. then, you know, it can hurt your feelings. Yeah, of course. Shit's <laughs> yeah. The, uh, are some of those kind of songwriters and, and singers and uh, 
I mean, how many of those are an influence on you? I'm thinking of, you know, whether it's people like Bob Dylan or Nick Cave or Leonard Cohen, those kind of, you know, mm-hmm. not not just singer-songwriters, they're storytellers. Yeah. They they yeah. tell yeah. great stories with their lyrics. Are you into that kind of thing? Is that a, is that a big influence on what you do? Certainly, certainly. I mean, to me, the great lyricists, songwriters, uh, you know, are, are, are Dylan and, and Cohen. Uh, Amy Mann is somebody I think is overlooked a lot as a, as a lyricist. I mean, she obviously has a, a interesting voice as well. Um, somebody like Springsteen, I don't think has the best voice, but, you know, obviously can tell a story and can put a song over like nobody. Mm-hmm. Petty, you know, his voice is what it is. Good voice, not great, mm-hmm. not huge range, but total, totally filled with personality and point of view. Yeah. Uh, rather than somebody who can hit all the notes, you know, you don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Mm. Do you, do you feel like your your songwriting is has developed over the course of these three albums? Because you've been considering what's happened over the past eighteen months as well, and, and that you've been busy with other projects. You've released quite a lot of material. That's three albums in six years, and eighteen months of that has been the pandemic. The, yeah. the, presumably it's something that you really enjoy doing. It wasn't something where you've done like, okay, there's an album and I've got it out of my system and now I'm going to move on to something else. It must be something that you enjoy doing, but do you feel conscious of any real like development or improvement in what you've been doing? And and is that something you really work on? Or do you just, every time you pick up a guitar, just see what comes out or or do you actively work on, on improving? A combination of both. I mean, I think every time I pick up a guitar, I'll go, you know, C, G, A minor is nice, but let's 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 start somewhere else right now. Let's see what we get, you know, like, you know more chords than that. So, uh, um, yeah, I'm conscious of, of developing. Um, I'm somewhat conscious that it's, like, not just mine anymore. It's not, it, it maybe it's not something that I'm just going to have on my phone that, that, there is kind there there is like another ear over my shoulder in a way that never was there before and i'm not sure that's good but i also have collaborators now that i that i can work with um where my lack of uh musical competence um doesn't have to dictate the song completely in that i can go you know what? I'm just hearing a different chord here. I don't know what it is, but it's in, it's kind of here or whatever. You know, it's up. It's I say up down. I mean, I'm like completely useless if I'm talking to somebody that knows about music. But I'll say, mm, what's what's the chord? I, I'm not. I don't know it. Mm. So it's like that. And now that I have collaborators uh, who can kind of speak to me because we've been working for a number of years, uh, and they're used to my being inarticulate and idiotic about it. So um, I feel it's a lot more fun, not more fun. There's more pressure, but it's also fun in that I don't feel responsible to like, okay, here's a, here's a song. Here's, here's three verses, two choruses, and maybe a bridge. I can go, okay, here's a verse and half a chorus. And here's a bridge I wrote last year that I think might work you know let's work on that and that's kind of fun because then you know the spirits move in different ways through different people yeah i mean moving on to to the new album 
what can you tell us about when that started? Because I know that it start, you started work on that shortly before the pandemic hit um, yeah. and obviously finished it afterwards. Can you tell us a little, about, a little bit about the origins of this album and just how this huge break in working on it has, has impacted it? You know, has it completely reshaped or refocused the themes and the lyrics and things like that? Yeah. What's been yeah, the journey great. of this album? Hasn't, hasn't hadn't really reshaped anything. I mean, these these were songs that were written over, mm, yeah, ever since uh, every third thought. So so these so- songs are over the last three years, and um, we were ready to complete the album, pretty close to having completed it, like last March, a year ago, last March. So we were close, aside from having like horns and strings and and background harmonies and background vocals. And then shut down because, like, you can't get into a small, airless, soundproof room and sing anymore. Mm. You know, so we so we completely shut down. And I think, you know, we continue to work on the songs in a way, even though we had demos of them and we lived with them for a while. Um, one song in particular, I did want to come out before our election last November, which we released uh, laying on the tracks. And that's really like the first time I ever kind of leaned in towards a very topical, you know, political notion in a song, even though I still feel like it's very vague as well, which is what I prefer. But, um, yeah, that was important to kind of rush that out uh, before the election. And I like to say that I I believe we did turn like one or two votes. You know, I believe we did. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm not saying we turn them in the right direction, but but we turn them. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if you think like you get abuse for trying to make music, if you're an actor, you know, wait until you have a political point of view. <laughs> it's like it's like not only is he trying to fucking make music, which I hate, he's trying to tell me what to vote for. Fuck you, double times to cut me. You know, it's like that. So that was that could be pleasant. And you know, on the internet's those people are the loudest and the and the and the and the, and the most heard from. So, uh, yeah, um, during the lockdown, we were playing with arrangements and playing with songs, and they actually gave us a chance to live with them for quite a while, and I think they did change. Lyrically, I don't think they changed much at all, but, you know, just kind of the conception of how they might how they might play in an album, uh, the sequencing. Um, song like Call Me When You Land, which is very personal and soft um i didn't think would ever make it onto an album i thought that would be one song like oh that's for my daughter you know Mm. that's like a personal thing and then um you know oddly like the response i've gotten was just talking about the album doing this kind of thing for a couple days people like they go to that song which really surprises me because i feel like it's certainly not radio friendly it's like a very soft kind of ambient song and uh um, so I'm always surprised. I don't know where I, why I got to that, but that's that's how I end. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when you when you start working on a on a new record, or not even necessarily a new record, when you're starting on a new song, do you, how do you go about fleshing your ideas out? Do you do you have like a little home studio or anything like that where you record things and make demos, or do you take everything to your your band and your collaborators, or just it's straight onto the phone? Garage band there which I don't even really know how to use. I just use it like a microphone. I just I just record me uh, on a guitar and I'll I'll sing it and I'll uh, that'll be it. One time 
actually I have a song uh, song that's not on the album called I'm, I'm writing you now from London uh, actually that I, I actually tried to use like the garage band instruments and shit yeah. and I tried to overdub me playing like a, a riff like a, an actual lead and it's it's hideous but I spent hours and hours like doing it and I didn't know how to loop so I couldn't get the beat right I didn't I don't know how to loop like four bars you know <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a total mess but uh but it's it's the most I've ever tried to like do it all by myself do you think that might ever see the light of day is that going to be a b-side <laughs> no if i ever think i've lost my phone like yeah. that's like the third thing i think of like that i don't want people to get a hold of. <laughs> how, how do you feel about this record looking you know having completed it now after what's been quite a long process do you has the length of time that it's taken to finish it given you more time to reflect on it than you would typically take when making an album? And has it affected the way that you look back on it and and view it? Yeah, it's, it's given me a chance to kind of uh, get some distance on it. So like, uh, so when I got the finished album, you know, like a month ago when everything, you know, when it was all tied up in a bow and I took a drive and I listened to it in my car at like top volume, I was like, Oh, I was a little surprised at some things. Like I, I, I wasn't. I was like, "Oh Jesus!" You know, this is the 150th time in a row I've been listening to that breakdown in this song. Like, uh, I, I felt like I heard a cymbal and they didn't. You know, it's this kind of shit that you go through when you're when you're trying to make songs perfect or whatever. But um, I'd had enough distance to kind of go, "Oh, get a perspective," and go, "No, no, I really like that song. I didn't expect to like that song so much." You know. Mm. Do you, I mean it might be that it's too early to to even be planning this yet? But have you got any plans for taking the album on the road at all? Do you have any? Yeah, life it's a little early. We certainly have you know amorphous plans to do so. It's it's just a matter of the Delta variant, and you know things are a bit up in the air right now. And uh, I, I expect they will be for a while. And then um, you know I'm all for like touring in in the summer months. You know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we did. A couple of years ago, before COVID, obviously we did a uh, we did a winter tour of Eastern Europe. You know that was like was holy that? shit. We we're in <laughs> Moscow in February. I was like, yeah, <laughs> whose idea was this? <laughs> well, I just before we um, finish, I, I wanted to ask you a little bit about your um, your career as an author as well, um, yeah. because that's another thing that um, doesn't fall quite in line at the same time with when you started releasing music, but another thing that you've come to relatively yeah. late in, in your career and yeah. what was it that that kind of led you into to that path as well because you again it's been a prolific output in in what's only really been a few years to be to be writing mm. books um and yeah well, that, that's really that really that. precedes uh you know my my acting was uh i was always a reader uh my dad was a writer my dad published his first novel when he was 75 right before he oh. died 72 he died at 75 mm. so uh and his father was a journalist, and um, my mother's a teacher. And I went to graduate school for English literature for a number of years. I didn't get a PhD, but I was in that program. So I've always been—I mean, that was my greatest interest, my 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 self-definition. If you'd asked me when I was a kid what what I was going to do, it, you know, I would say if I can't become a a professional basketball player or a professional baseball player or a professional tennis player, then I suppose I would be a writer. 
Um, so I never said I'd be an actor. I never said I'd be a musician. So that was always there. I mean, it was always it was always something that I didn't understand why I wasn't doing it. I mean, I knew I was busy. I knew I was acting, but I was like, yeah, I guess you're not. I guess you're not. I guess you're not a writer. Mm. Was so. Uh, oh no, sorry. Go ahead. It came, it came time eventually. It was like, okay, I I, I was doing Californication, which really only took like three or four months of the year for me. Um, you know, there was a year where I wasn't seeing any movies that I really liked or was felt compelled to do in my time off between Californication. I was like, my kids are in school. I want to be in one place. Maybe this is the time you, you put up or shut up about that shit, about being a writer, you know? So that was really how that came about. Was that a more daunting prospect than releasing music if it was something that had been with you for such a long time and and something like you said was was it was a almost a an identifier for you when growing up did it feel like releasing that and putting that out into the world had more pressure behind it well much like my story about the charity album um when i when i was sitting sitting think because i had a number of ideas i, I knew of three or four ideas i knew i was going to choose one to write first and I chose um, Holy Cow which is a very kind of a it's a fable it's a story about animals it's tongue in cheek it's short it's humorous you know it's allegorical it, it, it tries to consider deeper adult themes but it doesn't take itself too seriously and I thought I'll, I can hide behind that you know like because you go, ah, oh, fuck, another actor trying to write a novel. Well, at least he's not taking himself too seriously. Mm. You know? um, so, in a way, that was like my first tentative. Like, eh, I'm trying to, I'm a writer. You know what, I'm not, I, I'm not stepping on any toes. You know, I'm not like trying to win a Pulitzer here. I'm just, you know, doing this. So, I, I think that was my way of kind of shyly you know, coming forward. Because I could have, I had the ideas for both Bucky Fucking Dent and the Subways in mind. I already had them, and I knew I wanted to write them. But I chose Holy Cow for that reason, that I thought it would be harder to attack a guy that writes a book about a cow. (laughs) What kind of an asshole does that? What kind of an asshole attacks a guy who writes a book about a cow? I I find that fascinating, because I remember when I read Holy Cow and it, it made me laugh out loud. I thought it was absolutely hilarious um, and really sweet and really smart. I thought it was, you know, I was, I really loved it. And um, I found that quite, that seemed to me like almost more of a bold statement than putting out something that felt a little bit more, I'm going to try and really show off my yeah. mystery chops and do something huh. that way. I, Cause I think that yeah. comedy is one of those things, not that it's an outright comedy. It's yeah. funny, but there's, there's a lot more to it, but I think comedy is one of those things that if it, if you don't land it and it doesn't quite work, it's possibly one of the biggest failures you can face. If you do something that you try and uh, tell a really, you know, deep and thoughtful story and it doesn't quite work, I almost feel like people would be slightly more sympathetic to that than going, oh, this isn't even funny and, and not, not enjoying yeah. it on that level. Um, so I, uh, yeah, I find that really interesting. Yeah. Oh God, you make me, you remind me of my, my friend and manager, guy named Jimmy Miller. He's managed comedians forever. And he, he talks about the wide-eyed tank. You know, when you tell a joke and it's just like, it just tanked and you're just like, <laughs> the wide-eyed tank. You know, it could have been the wide-eyed tank. Yeah. 
I mean, I yeah, I can't imagine anything worse. It's like if any other form of performance, if you if you're in a bad film, if you're in a if you perform live and you do a song that yeah, people I mean, don't respond to, you know, it, yeah, yeah. But like, I can't even imagine the the prospect of yeah going on a stage in front of a room of people and telling a joke and no one laughs. It's got to be the most dangerous form of uh, live performance. But um, yeah. yeah, you're right. Well, I guess I was, I guess I had some confidence in my ability to be funny. I guess I had more confidence in that than my ability to be smart or, you know, deeply literary or important or anything like that. I, and I, and I did think that the, that the, the ideas were important, you know, so I, I felt, okay, I can do two things. I can say what's important to me, which I'm doing. And I can also try to be funny, which I'm, I think I can do, you know, mm-hmm. so I, so yeah, there, it, there was some tentativeness, but there was also, I think in, in talking to you about it, I think, yeah, I probably was a little more confident about that area than, mm-hmm. you know, trying to write an outright, you know, epic, which is what the last one is, you know. Yeah. And do you, yeah. do you see yourself continuing on both these fronts, releasing more music and, and writing more I, books? I mean, if, if it continues to come to me or if it continues to, you know, if I continue to sit down long enough to have it come to me, if I continue to see... Uh, interest in myself and an improvement um and you know venues for myself where i'm beginning to express more and more musically and and in a satisfying way and 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 reaching people and and yeah yeah excellent well thank you so much for for joining us there's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you thank you um thank you yeah thank you very much and um yeah it's it's been excellent i'm a i'm a huge fan as well so it's been really really fun talking to you thank you i appreciate that i appreciate it cheers thank you very much headliner radio supporting the creative community